Mimosas with Michael. Mimosas with Michael. Mimosas with Michael. Yay! Cologne with mimosas with Michael. Um, I'm really excited because it is October 1st, 2018, which means a year ago I launched my first episode of Mimosas with Michael with uh, my first guest, Kevin Phipps. I decided to launch a podcast because I was really excited about doing something different. I was a filmmaker, I wanted to be a writer and a director, and I was trying to find ways to help grow my brand, and I I have a lot of people that I like to talk to, and I, and I love hearing their stories, so I thought it might be kind of fun to create something where people could just come on and talk. And I thought, you know, what better way than just treat them like a friend? And you know, like when you go to, like, you have Sunday brunch, and you just kind of go and catch up with a friend over mimosas? I was like, you know what? Mimosas, Michael. I kind of like the alliteration, so I decided to do a podcast called Mimosas with Michael a year ago. And now we're celebrating whew, a year anniversary. It's kind of exciting. So I wanted to do a special podcast episode and video celebrating one year of Mimosas with Michael. And because I launched it in October and I love horror, um, last year I had horror guests. Like I had Kevin Phipps and then I had um, one of the original Scream Queens, Dee Wallace from Cujo and E.T. and The Howling. And she's been a friend of mine for years, and I absolutely adore her. So for this year, I'm, I've interviewed a few uh, other horror filmmakers, branching out to other um, other horror movies and franchises, and I thought I would um, let them talk about things that they had never really talked about before. So you know, a lot of people always get asked, like, how'd you get the idea for it? How'd you make the movie? Da-da-da. So I asked each person to tell me, something that they had never, ever talked about before or don't get to talk about often in regards to their project. So sit back, listen, and thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting Mimosas with Michael. Giving a big congratulations to my man, Michael Colomb. Happy anniversary, one year, Mimosas with Michael. Congrats, brother. As you know... Actually, if you listen to the show, you know that one of my favorite horror franchises is Friday the 13th. Um, I've talked to a lot of people from Friday the 13th. I even did a Friday the 13th blog. But I haven't had many people from the franchise on the show. So I decided to reach out to uh, my friend Tommy McLaughlin. He wrote and directed um, Friday the 13th Part 6. I knew his son, Shane... And then subsequently from that, I met Tommy, and we finally met earlier this year at Scare LA. And so I reached out to him and said, Tom, let's talk a little bit about Friday the 13th Part 6. Um, what was your inspiration for, like, um, Friday the 13th Part 6? And I, what do you not get it? I'm sure everybody's asked you all the same questions a hundred times, but what do you want people to know that maybe you haven't talked a lot about when it comes to the film? Um... Well, the interesting thing, actually, to talk about is sort of two things that are relevant to right now. And I just happened to, um, you know, I was looking, I always go back and look at the uh, um, 
the book that um, Peter Brackey did, you know, yeah. on on you know the camp uh, Camp Crystal Lake memories, and uh, just to kind of see because he updates the electronic one, and as oh, I was nice. kind of going through, seeing if there was any new pictures that he found from my Friday or whatever. You know, I kept noticing the words Halloween and the, and the words John Carpenter. And ironically, obviously, there's so much heat going on now with the new Halloween that, that's coming out. Oh, and yeah, of course. I'm very excited about it. And, you know, it, it all sort of brought back that, you know, being at that first uh, Halloween screening, you know, first day, first show at night, you know, with a, you know, a crowd that was very excited to see it. And then the reaction in the theater was just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And so that really had a huge influence on, of course, all of us that wanted to do thing, you know, horror that, that dealt with that kind of a, you know, unstoppable entity. And, oh, yeah, um, of course. you know, I, I, you know, I don't bring it up a lot other than, you know, in the movie, I, I, you know, say Carpenter Road and, you know, uh, or down, Carpenter City, I guess I say it just comes from Carpenters and, and then Cunningham. And so I have all these little references. Yeah. But um, I, at the same time that all this is coming out, I've also chosen to put together a kind of a comedy performance thing for, um, you know, conventions and clubs and open up rock shows and things where literally I'm, you know, portraying Michael Myers but I'm doing it as Mike the mime with the idea that, you know, what, what if Michael gets and have a place to sleep and he's not in the institution, how does he earn a living? And I thought, well, he's got this white face and he doesn't speak. You know, he's a perfect candidate to be a street mime. So yeah, right. I, I'll, I'll send you this thing that I did, uh, which is sort of a, a, you know, satire and yet at the same time an homage, homage to to Michael, and to uh, you know the Halloween franchise. And that that's been kind of going out there now. And you know, it, as as we approach um, the Halloween you know season and the movie, I know, so, and it's coming up. Yeah, and so I'm I'm just sort of immersed at the moment in in the Michael Myers vibe because of what I'm what I'm doing as a performer, and I'm doing, you know, the kind of of mime I did way back in the early '70s when I first was kind of pursuing that, and when I got out of rock and roll and got into becoming a more physical performer. Yeah. But I thought it's you know it works perfectly with having somebody like Michael who's not you know, who's known as somebody to be afraid of, and now you're seeing him doing regular chores and things. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, of course, because of my mind training with Marcel Marceau, I make that part of the joke, too, that Michael disappeared and there were murders in uh, in Paris for a <laughs> period of time. And, you know, my you know my suspicion is he was over there studying and what he does. Still being so, Michael Myers, yeah. Yeah. So there was a thing... Um, that was just on brainwaves i think this past monday that uh, you put out with a clip um and you know i, I think eventually i'll probably get something on bloody disgusting and some of the other you know casts and and, and um i don't know if you put anything out you know uh in terms of clips of other stuff on your on your things but i can certainly send you a, you know, a copy of it i would but love I that did, yeah yeah it, it's given people a lot of fun and which is the whole reason i did it you know i'm still writing working on something to direct you know which has always been my mo you know write something and then you know next step direct it and yeah, i'd um, love to see you direct something soon that'd be great 
I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm missing it greatly. And uh, when I was editing on this recent thing, it made me realize this is really where I feel most at home is making, you know, making pictures. And do you still act? Because I know you started off as an actor, right? Yeah, well, I did it again. Everything was sort of a means to an end. I, I, I used a lot of the mime training to, you know, do shows. And then when I was like on location or whatever, I would write because I wanted to be a director. And yeah. Same thing. I would get these acting roles and then, you know, hang out on the set and watch the director work. So of recent, yeah, I've, I'm, I've got a fairly decent kind of weird part in this movie called uh, Rock Steady Row, okay. uh, which won the um, Slam Dance Festival. Oh, dude, that's um, this amazing. Year. And um, they're, going, they're having a big premiere um, at the Arclight. Uh, I think it's October 7th you know, um, which will be very cool. So yeah, I've, I, you know, that just kind of was a fluke because these, these are all, you know, students that I knew from Chapman who ended up getting a feature film. Dude, and, that's how uh, it works. Yeah. So yeah. And then there's another thing that I'm doing a horror movie in Austin where I'm playing a very deranged <laughs> individual and they created a monster that my head is a part of oh that's so cool head cat so i you know i i I was the kid that loved frankenstein you know and then so all of these things are just offshoots of you know getting a chance to actually play the monster again not just write about it or direct it yeah so it is kind of you know fulfilling from a a, a, you know horror fan that just i'm not i'm just not growing up in that respect which you know (laughs) is fine for me well why would we yeah. yeah, there's no reason to. Well, I, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. You have so many amazing things coming on, so we're definitely going to have you in the studio to talk. Okay, great. Um, and send us anything that you want, um, and I'll put it in the comments and the links below. And, um, okay. and always keep us uh, um, apprised of what you're doing so we can send the fans your way. All right, yeah. yeah this is the latest thing, and it's on YouTube, too, under the, the Michael Myers experience. Okay. Um, so anybody can, you know, tap into it there if they, if they so desire, but yeah, I'd love to hear what people think. Cause I know, as I said, it was a lot of fun to put together and, um, you know, I, I, I going back to my Friday the 13th and pretty much everybody's yeah. work in masked killers. Yeah, if it wasn't for Mr. Myers, you know, none of us would have had any of these jobs. So you know, that's true. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm a big debt. <laughs> and what was it like working with CJ Graham? Cause I met he him. Was, He's wonderful. He's incredible. He's the nicest, sweetest guy and great sense of humor. And of course, in those days, he was, you know, just, you know, former Marine and he did everything, yeah. you know, as, as, as a, asked as if it was an order. And he was just great. You know, now he's, you know, really, you know, giving the fans, you know, so many great things with op- photo opportunities and stuff. And he's just a terrific guy. Yeah. Well, I hope he, I hope uh, someday we get to see more from Friday the Thirteenth. I know um, it's been at a standstill for a minute, but I feel good that it's going to move forward, and the fans are going to get what they want. Yep, yep, yeah. There's a lot of fan things going on um, that they're, they're doing. You know, I'm working on some stuff myself, so you know, it, at some point, you know, it, it's all going to you know come together again. It has to. There's just too much you know want want to see <laughs> around it. Exactly. Well, have a, um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I really, really appreciate it. Sure. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to give a shout-out to my friend Michael and his podcast, Mothers with Michael, for their first anniversary. I'm so glad that I was part of uh, that podcast and being a guest, and I hope all of you guys keep watching it and keep listening to it.
Bye. All the best. You know, so I love a lot of the 80s movies like Friday the 13th. One of my favorite all-time horror movies is Nightmare on Elm Street. But of the sort of newer genre that came out, I was really obsessed with Final Destination because I found it fascinating that the thing that killed everybody was sort of death itself. Like these people cheated death, but death came back to sort of collect their souls and make things right. And I was introduced to Jeffrey Reddick, the writer, um, God, maybe like a decade ago. And I reached out to him the other day and I said, I'm having this anniversary podcast. I'd love to have you on the show. Um, he's been a very supportive friend of mine when it has come to my writing and my filmmaking. And so I reached out to Jeffrey and I said, tell me a little bit about how you got started with Final Destination. So, you know, I've been reaching out to everybody with Friday the 13th. Like I talked to Tom McLaughlin and I've known Harry, Harry Manfredini for years. And, you know, Victor Miller and I wrote a script together. But oh, yeah. um, I never really get a chance to talk to you much about and you you created such a great horror franchise, which was one of my final destination. Oh, and, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So I trust <laughs> me. I mean, it's one of my favorite. And when I got to meet you, I was like, I can't wait to get to meet this guy. And then we've been friends for so long. So and you're like, he's such a douchebag. No, I always say nice <laughs> things about you. Always. I know. I'm trying to edge my reputation up a little bit. Oh God. Oh, everybody's yeah. I'm, I'm All right, you guys get some edge. Jeffrey's a douche. Thank you. <laughs> Go on Facebook and talk about how edgy he is. Yeah, so edgy. <laughs> so I know you. I know you get asked so many questions about what it was like to write Final Destination and all these things. But I'm wondering, is there anything that you don't ever get a chance to talk about in regards to like? Does that make sense? Like, people always ask you like oh. what it was like getting it produced and what it was like writing it and da da da. But what what do people not know or what do you not get a chance to talk enough about in regards to the franchise? Ew, uh -oh, you're making me think now. Um, Sorry. Well, I, right. I don't want you to be asked the same questions over and over again. <laughs> it's like boring, you know? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what hasn't been asked of me. And we're going to get you know into like... I, I, could, I can talk a little bit. Um, this might be, um, this is I guess, probably some new information, I think. But Oh, I love new you information. Know, I, <laughs> well, everybody knows that the, you know, I first wrote the X-Files spec script to get an agent, and I, you know, I never sent the uh, script into the X-Files, because one of my friends, um, Mark Kaufman at New Line Cinema, was like, you should write that as a feature. Um, but I guess that nobody's really talked about how it, the idea evolved from from where it started in the X-Files. Oh, um, nice. Okay. I'd like to hear so, that. So, yeah. So, you know, it was funny, because in the X-Files, um, I had... Uh, uh, Dana Scully's brother Charles had the premonition, but basically, in that version of the story, what happened was that um, death possessed somebody who flatlined, plane crashed um, in the X Files episode. So there was a sheriff that was helping them investigate the murders, and it and it all looked like her brother was killing these people because he, you know, and had survivor's guilt for getting off the flight. Um, and he got a couple other people off the flight too. So it looked like he was the killer. Um, and there was a sheriff that was like investigating the crime with him. And you kind of the twist at the end of the story was you found out that he, the same time the plane crashed, uh, that same time that flight 180 crashed, uh, the sheriff had flatlined, he got shot in the line of duty. And so they revived it when he came back, like death kind of 
entered him, you oh, know, came amazing. back through him and was like was killing off everybody. So it original that was the the X Files version, um, and then we started working on a feature version. Um, you know, I, we wanted to come up with something a little uh, different and something that was more cinematic and having somebody possessed. And so then I was like, well, why don't we just make it death? Yeah. Like, you know, you can't see it, you know, and it's it's a force. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of, you know, I remember at the end of the X-Files script, like, um, once they realized that it was a sheriff um, and he, he, spoiler, he killed the last person to get off the plane, except for Charles. He didn't kill Charles. Of course. Um like you know you know this this kind of these this like these little black like you know slivery shapes kind of like exited his body this was pretty supernatural when you know every time a demon leaves them they open their mouth and black stuff comes out yeah um but uh but yeah that's how that's how that was the original kind of incarnation of that and it was very interesting just to have that kind of evolve i love you know, it as we went from a tv show to a feature that's so awesome. I actually never knew that, and I've talked to you for years. I knew yeah. you started off as a, a X-Files, but yeah, you, you really don't talk about that much, that often, do you? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I don't really talk about what it, what the, you know, I talk about it being her brother, but I never really talked about how Beth kind of worked in that episode. Well, then you hear it, you heard it here first. Yay. Well, maybe not first, but definitely <laughs> recently. <laughs> but yeah, you've, you've heard it here more plainly than I think I've said before. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. <laughs> and you have a lot. Of, you have a lot of stuff going on, right? Can you talk about any of it right now? Um, I can now. Um, I couldn't yesterday, but um, <laughs> they just. No, I know it's so funny. No, um, I just I, I wrote a film called uh, The Final Wish. Um, it wasn't originally called that, but obviously. Okay. There, the uh, <laughs> the yeah. producers aren't stupid, and they want to tie. But it's um, it's a really, really fun, like dark kind of twisted fairy tale about a young man played by Michael Welch who was in Twilight. Oh, and, I know Michael um, Welch. Yeah. Like, yeah, and he was in my Day of the Dead remake in Z Nation. Um, he comes home to take care of his mother after his father passes away, and his mother's played by Lynn, no other than Lynn Shay. Of course. The, one of the Shea. most awesome, yeah, one of the most awesome horror, well, most of the, one of the most awesome actresses in the world. Um, so he comes home to take care of his mother, and um, she's grieving the loss of his father, and he reconnects with his, his, you know, the kind of girl he left behind, who's played by Melissa Bologna, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, his father was an antique collector, and he finds an item that kind of um, unleashes something um, nice. that really, that starts really screwing with his family and the people around him uh so it's a really fun movie we just got it, it, it i can talk about it today because it was just announced that we got into scream fest um today so oh nice congratulations um, yeah yeah a guy named timothy woodard jr directed it he's a great guy and tommy hudson who you know um produced it um oh yeah i love tommy with well, me yeah i'll have you and, and michael uh, maybe on the show and, or tommy and you guys can come talk about it yeah that'll be awesome and, um yeah, no, he, I mean, I, I love Tommy to death, and, um, you know, we had some other great producers, um, James, uh, James Cullen, uh, Resek, and, um, John Cleveland, and, uh, Lauren de Normandy, I'm forgetting half people's names, I'm embarrassed. But That's okay, this isn't the Oscars, so you don't exciting. have to worry about that. Super, super exciting is, um, Tony Todd is in it as well, so this oh, is I love the first Tony. project we've done together, I love him too, he's just... So amazing. So this is the first project we've worked on together since Final Destination. So um, we are going to be premiering at Screamfest, and um, 
they should be announcing the actual date pretty soon, but I know it's going to be in October. Um, yeah, and which is coming up. I, I think I think yeah, Screenfest just announced their first batch of films today. So, um, so yeah, that's the that's the one project I can you know definitely talk about. And I have another project called Super Superstition. Um, Superstition. I think I remember that. that. I feel like I've heard of that yeah, before. Yeah, we we filmed a little bit of that, but we're they're going to finish filming that. Um, I I think top of the year um in louisiana and it's uh it's my first slasher film Ooh. And it's, based, it's based on the superstition that deaths happen in threes so it's set on this campus where two people have died and somebody starts a deadpool to figure out who the third person is and oh, interesting. you know you download the app this app on your phone so later on when people are like why don't they use their phones? It's because the killer has access to their phones now because they downloaded this app um and somebody starts killing them off and I'm really excited about the film because it's it's a really fun slasher movie, you know, very kind of back to basics kind of, you know, you know, there's some humor in it, but it's not, you know, like self-aware. It's just, you know, yeah. back to basics kind of slasher film. But um, it's also uh, the I, I don't want to say the first one because I know there have been many films, but I, it's going to be the first hopefully studio released um, theatrical slasher film that has a. Uh, predominantly African American and Latino cast. Nice. So we definitely I've been more fighting. Yeah, I've been fighting for that since the first Final Destination to make sure that we had diversity in my films. And you know, and it's 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 not about race. I just say that it's kind of like you know, Screamer. I know what you did last summer, but instead of focusing on all the pretty white people with their one or two brown friends, we focus on the pretty brown people with their one or two white friends. Perfect. So it's just a really nice. fun slasher film, and I you know I just I do think that you know, the time is right for it. So, um, but it's, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And, um, well, I'm, I'm very proud of you. I mean, I always yeah. have been, but I mean, it just, Thank you. you've always been going, you've always done great things and I've got to be I your try. friend and, and watch you grow. So <laughs> thank you. And if, yeah, if you're putting, if this is a, you know, since we're talking about like scary Halloween stuff too, I, I, um, I worked um, as a story editor on midnight Texas, which is an NBC series this year. Um, oh. And it's going to air on the 26th. It's by the uh, 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 Charlene Harris, who did True Blood. It's mm-hmm. based on her book series. Oh, nice! And um, yeah, we have a nice we have a nice little subplot that's that's very much an homage to Final Destination in that. But it's just a really fun, sexy, you know, soapy horror film with like angels and demons and oh, witches like- and vampires and you know, a hot gay cowboy and, you know, what else can you ask for? I mean, I don't think I can ask for anything. That's pretty much everything right there. So it's, 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 yeah, I'm really excited about that too. So it's been a fun year. It's been a fun uh, well, year for sure. You definitely deserve it. Well, in 2000, Michael, just sending everybody a shout out saying congratulations on your one year anniversary with Mimosas with Michael. I hope you celebrate good. It's for you. Yeah. Congratulations, Michael, my friend. Uh, this is Richard Trejo. Just wanted to tell you happy anniversary. And I'm so proud of you with all you've done with the podcast and how you continually put out amazing content weekly. I'm super glad to have been a part of this podcast. And I wish you the best in the future with it and in all that you do because you're amazing at everything that you do. Uh, continue to fight for all it is that you dream of my friend and i know that you'll be able to accomplish it uh, just like you've accomplished to have this amazing podcast for an entire year which is a feat that many people back out of and i'm glad that you're continuing 
to be a badass on not only on a weekly basis, but just overall in your life. So thank you, Michael, for being an inspiration. And I look forward to hearing more podcasts and being on more podcasts with you, my friend. Many of you are probably familiar with the name Dan Farns. Um, he's done several documentaries about horror films, like his name is Jason, uh, Never Sleep Again. But he's also been part of the um, franchise Amityville Horror. Uh, so I reached out to him and asked him a little bit about what he's got going on. He talked a little bit about Amityville as well as some current projects. So here's Dan Farns. Hello, Mr. Dan Farns. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Michael? <laughs> We're so official now. I love it. Thank you for being on the year anniversary of my podcast. I'm super excited and congratulations. Oh my God, you're so sweet. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I've never had you on the podcast and you and I have not seen each other in a while. So this is kind of a nice little um, follow up. Yeah, it's time to reconnect. Yeah, so you have so you posted something on, on Facebook about a screening. So why, can you give us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, we actually have uh, news came out today that we are going to be the opening night film for this year's Scream Fest. Um, it takes place every year. Thank you. It, at in Hollywood at the TCL um, Cineplex, uh, the, which is the Chinese at the yep. Hollywood and Highland Complex. I've been and there many times. It's, it's a great a, festival. Yeah, it's a, right. It's a week long, I believe, festival, um, and lots of really great films. There's like you know new release stuff, and there's um, our film, for instance, but um, there's just some some great up and coming filmmakers. There's a, sh a short film category that I always love watching. Yeah. So it's a it's super exciting festival. It's been around for a really long time. Uh, we're really honored to be the sort of opening night selection of. Yeah, that's kind of a big Spring deal. Fest. Like and, you know, opening up a festival. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I I was surprised and and again really honored and flattered they would they would choose our film to be the kind of kickoff of the whole festival. So um, I, I don't it. have the ticket information just yet, but I think that'll be announced in the next day or two. I'm sure you can go to the screenfest.com website and you can yeah. all, all that those facts. Um, and I'll put something on my Facebook uh, wall as well. Nice. But yeah, it's it's called Amityville Murders. Um, it is not an Amityville horror sequel, uh, as the story is that we've you know, that we've seen I don't know a hundred times before. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this one really has to do with the true story behind the murders that took place in the house in 1974 in November oh, of 1974. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's exciting. It's really tragic and sad, and it's also very scary. And we kind of delve into, you know, there's the supernatural theory of behind what happened with the murders because there's some weird things about them that were never explained. Um, and obviously the things that happened after with the Lutz family when they moved in. But, you know, ours kind of takes a look at all sort of three sides of the story. You know, was it supernatural? Was he hooked on drugs? Was it because of the abuse that the, the father was sort of meeting out on all the family members and he finally kind of snapped? So we kind of look at it from all those perspectives and, you know, sort of let the audience decide. Um, certainly had a, he, you know, Ronald DeFeo who committed those horrible murders all those years ago, you know, mm -hmm. clearly had a, a break from sanity when he did this. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 and, and what I'm also excited about is actually we cast, and I cast 
two of the familiar faces from a movie called Amityville to the Possession back in the early 80s. Oh, nice. Um, which was very kind of loosely based on the DeFeo murders. It was kind of a standalone movie. They changed the names. And, you know, it was more like a demonic possession movie. Yeah, of course. Um, of, of, which were, you know, kind of of the ilk of the, the day. But um, so we cast... It, Interestingly, this time, Diane Franklin, who hasn't been seen in a long time, who did a lot of movies back in the 80s and has become a good friend. Um, I'm super proud of her. She uh, she plays the mom in this one, and she was the sister in Amityville 2. And to go a step further, we actually cast Burt Young, who played her father in Amityville 2, as her father in this one, but now he's the grandfather. Oh, nice. So sort of like the next generation up, but with yeah. some familiar faces. Uh, so it was a bit of like, you know, inside casting, but really like Diane was perfect for the part and she just nailed the audition and she just brought a lot of empathy i think to this woman and i think it was just perfect casting so uh and then another great supporting cast we have john robinson and chelsea ricketts and um some young actors that are terrific and um i think this one's you know gonna shake people up a little bit it's pretty spooky perfect and then that's a nice segue into now you have a new movie coming out or a new movie you're doing after yeah, yeah, we just finished um, uh, a movie that I'm really excited about. It's an original piece I wrote and directed um, called The Haunting of Sharon Tate. And I know the title probably is a little shocking to people. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's when you see what the movie is, you'll realize <clears throat> it's not exactly a typical haunting. It's not about Sharon's ghost haunting people or haunting the house in which she was killed. Uh, it it has to do with the days leading up to her and her friends' horrific murders at the hands of the Charles Manson family. Oh, wow. But the, the unknown thing is that about a year before she died, Sharon Tate gave an interview in which she was asked if she'd ever had a, a premonition. And she explained that she, she thinks she had, but she wasn't sure it was a nightmare. But she said she, she saw a strange man in her room and she got up and she followed him and she went to the living room and she saw her friend Jay Sebring, who was killed with her a year mm -hmm. later, and herself tied up to the rafters in the ceiling of this house. And oh, wow. they'd both had their throats slashed. And it really it was a kind of dream that really disturbed her and stuck with her. But when she was asked about it, you know, about psychic phenomena and things like that in this interview, um, she described this horrible dream which many people say was a premonition of what was to come yeah so you know our movie sort of takes off from there but it has some really weird twists and turns and i think in a big way it actually pays tribute to sharon and her friends and really changes the story around in an interesting and unpredictable way and wow, that's fun. yeah it's really interesting and it's, it's disturbing but i think you know especially in the world that we're living in now, I think empowerment for women and anyone who's marginalized or victimized is really important. And I think to portray that on screen is really important. So oh, yeah, exactly. in a I weird agree. way, this movie kind of gives Sharon a fighting chance and, and uh, plays out in a really, like I said, a kind of a, a bizarre <laughs> and alter universe kind of way. So super excited about it. Hilary Duff uh, plays Sharon Tate in this film, and she did a great job. Oh, nice. have a great cast with uh, Lydia Hurst, uh, who's actually the daughter of uh, Patty Hurst, very well-known. Oh, yeah. And, um, yep, and um, Jonathan Bennett from Mean Girls. Um, oh, I love really him. Really cool cast. Yeah, so really excited about that one. It'll come out 
next year um, from Saban, and it well, we'll look will look for that. Hi. Hi, this is Brantley, AJ, Landon, and we just wanted to say happy, happy first anniversary, anniversary to Mimosas with Michael. Happy anniversary to Mimosas with Michael. Congratulations. I really am touched by all the kind words that each one of you have given. You've taken time to reach out and send messages and emails and phone calls and saying um, happy anniversary, congratulations. I really couldn't have done this without any one of you. Um, all of my past guests, all of those that want to be on the show, I plan on having you on. Um, but truly, truly thank you for making this one year anniversary so special. So. Cheers to Mimosas with Michael.